Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I'm going to just read one uh, scripture to get us started today, and it's in Exodus 33, uh, verse 14. And it says, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Father, thank you for your word. We just ask you to bless this message in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to talk to you just a little bit about the importance of resting in God. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't can't really remember the last time that I thought, man, I'm just so well rested. I don't know what to do with all this extra energy I have going on. Most people you talk to, they're not getting enough rest. They need, they wish they could get more sleep. They wish they could get more time to relax or whatever it is. But resting's important, and resting in God is very important. But I want to take it a little bit further than that today because I want to talk to you about being in proper alignment when it comes to God in our, in our lives, which ultimately goes back to resting in God because you're never going to be in proper alignment if you're not resting in God. And so I called this talk for today, Your Alignment is Critical to Your Assignment. And so my goal is to uh, show us all the importance of resting in God and, and being properly uh, aligned with God as individuals and as the church, as, as the bride of Christ and as a body of believers. And so I want to start by giving you a quote today. Uh, this is from uh, Leif Hetland. He is a, uh, uh, an amazing speaker, author, uh, missionary, uh, just a really cool person with, a, with an unbelievable testimony. And uh, Heather and I have had the, gotten to see him speak a few times in person, and I've read several of his books. But this quote to me, it it kind of paints a picture in my mind of what it's like to be properly aligned and what it's like to not be properly aligned. Not that you're a bad person, not that you're doing something uh, wrong or uh, evil or, or anything like that. It it's all kind of goes back to a mindset that we get into, a belief system that we get into when we're not in proper alignment. And so it happens to all of us because I don't know about you, but uh, the, whoever drives the most expensive vehicle in here, that thing, if you go down a bumpy road, it will get out of alignment just as well as whoever's driving the, the least expensive vehicle in this place. It happens to everybody. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I don't know if you've realized it or not, but life can be bumpy sometimes. No matter how good of decisions you try to make or how, how perfect everything's going, every now and then you hit that pothole that you just didn't see coming. Have you ever noticed how you always see them if you're in the passenger side, but you don't see them when you're the one driving? I see everyone Heather hits, but she still hits them even when I warn her, so it is what it is. But anyways, let me get back to this quote. 
And so the quote, it, it's, it's really simple. It says, instead of looking only for the presence of his promises, you begin to look for the promise of his presence. So to me, that just, same thing. It's not that, you're, that someone's a bad person or that, oh, what am I going to do about this sin in my life? It's just a mindset. It's a belief system. And, and we all know we've seen it with churches everywhere and people everywhere. They, they're, they're pursuing God or they think they are. And a lot of times they're pursuing the promise instead of pursuing his, his presence. And what's weird is we talk about uh, 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 that, but then we're so quick to give up on the promises of God at the same time. It's, it's all a sign of being out of alignment. See, the only way that you could live in a way that your main goal is looking for the promise of His presence is being a properly aligned and resting in God. All of the world is out of alignment. You don't have to look around long to see that. Things are crazy. But unfortunately, a big part of the church is out of alignment. And the reason that a, a lot of the church is out of alignment is because, well, one, they're after the, promise, uh, the presence of His promises, they're always looking for advancement. They're looking for the next promotion. They're looking for the next building program or whatever it, whatever it is. And none of those things are bad as long as you're in proper alignment. They become bad when you're out of alignment. But the, world, the church is also trying to do everything the world's way instead of the kingdom's way. And uh, I've said before, uh, you're never going to get kingdom results when you're following the world system. It's just not going to happen. See, the world believes that you have to do something in order to have something in order to be something. When you think about the way it is, you, gotta, you need to do something. You've got to be productive, be successful, whatever. You do something so that you can have stuff or money or relationships, whatever. And if you have enough stuff, then you can be somebody in this world. The kingdom is different, completely different. In the kingdom, because of God, we are something. And because of God, we have everything, and through Christ, we can do anything. It's completely flipped around. It's completely reversed. Since I titled this message, your alignment is critical to your assignment, but please don't mistake your assignment for your identity. It is not the same thing. And a lot of people do that. Your identity is a son or a daughter of God. Everything else, no matter how big or small it may be, is, your, is an assignment. It's not your identity. Our identity comes comes from him and so in genesis i want to show you this uh it says that god created adam on the sixth day to show you the importance of rest and since adam was created sometime on the sixth day we don't know what time that was if it was first thing last thing in the middle of the day whatever it, it was i mean we can't even agree on what a day is yet when it comes to creation so we don't know when on the sixth day he was created. So that means that Adam's first full day of existence, where he was there for the entirety of the day, would have been the seventh day of creation. And we know that that's a day of rest. So this means that Adam spent his first full day of existence resting in the Father. Before he did anything else, he spent his first full day resting in Father God. He began life not in a place of doing, not in a place of having but in a place of being, being in the presence of God. And so he was properly aligned because he began from that place of rest. Eve's a little bit different, but kind of the same thing. We see that God took a rib from Adam and he created Eve. And the Bible says that God brought her to 
uh, Adam. So that means that wherever God did this thing and created Eve, it wasn't where Adam was at because he had to bring her to Adam. So since she was with God, that means Eve's first experience in life was the presence of God. It was the presence of the Father. It was His face was the first thing that she saw. His voice was the first thing that she heard. And His love was the first thing that she felt. She began from a place of rest in Him. So we have both of them, Adam and Eve. They both began from a place of rest in God and they both had their identity and their, their blessing as a son and a daughter of the Father before they were ever told to do anything. And so when they were in proper alignment, God gave them instructions. But the instructions are interesting too because He tells them, be fruitful. He didn't say, hey, go bear fruit, go do this. Go do fruitful things. He just said, be fruitful. Remember, the world says you have to do to have to be, but the kingdom says be, have, and do. We are somebody because of God. We have everything because of God, and we can do anything through Christ. It's completely different. See, when we're in proper alignment, we're resting in the Father, we won't have to worry about what we should be doing. There are things for us to do, but we won't have to worry about all that. We don't have to worry about how we can bear fruit. When we're in proper alignment, we will just be fruitful. We'll just be what He's called us to be. It's very important for the assignment that each and every one of us are given, no matter what those assignments are, that we're in proper alignment with God and that we're resting in Him. Resting in God is important. And there are a lot of people that talk on this subject. They use different things to, to talk about it. You've probably heard messages about them, but they'll, they'll talk about uh, focusing on God or resting in God or waiting on the Lord or uh, spending time in His presence, soaking in His presence, what, whatever. But what some people don't understand and sometimes unfortunately gets left out a lot uh, is that to truly rest in God, you must live in a way that He can rest in you. And a lot of times that part gets left to help. He wants to rest in you just like He wants you to rest in Him. And I'm not trying to put rules on this thing or, or, or regulations on how to rest in God, but I'm telling you the truth. If you really want to rest in Him, then live your life in a way that He can rest in you. John 14, 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, this goes for us as individuals and for the church. We need to live our lives in a way that God can rest in us. We need to do church in a way that God can rest in what we're doing and in the services that we're having. I want to read, a, and I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. And so we don't have that on the screen, so I'll try to do a good job on this. But I want to read Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31 to you. And... We've all probably heard this passage of Scripture before. You know, um, women talk about wanting to be a Proverbs 31 wife. Men talk about wanting to get a Proverbs 31 wife. Uh, they use this Scripture a lot of time at Mother's Day, talking about a Proverbs 31 woman, things like that. Well, in most of your Bibles, somewhere uh, subtitled around this passage, it says something like the virtuous wife. Um, in the Passion Translation, it says uh, the radiant bride. So they all say something like that. And so this passage is talking about a bride. So it's not just a woman. 
And uh, when you think about this, for all of us in here, we are the bride of Christ. And if there was ever anyone, if there was ever a bridegroom that deserved a Proverbs 31 bride, it's Jesus. If it, if there, none of us in here, none of us guys in here probably really deserve one, for the, uh, but he does. He deserves that type of bride. And so what I want to do, I want to read this to you, and I want you to picture this as talking about the church. Not just some perfect woman that's out there somewhere, but about the church, what we're supposed to be for Christ, and realize how we should be, and what it should be like even for other people when they look at the bride of Christ. We're not supposed to be beat down and powerless and you know, just waiting on a rescue mission to be, get rescued out of this place, just holding on to Jesus comes. We're supposed to be blessed and powerful and, and innovative and productive and, and waiting on a glorious reunion. We're supposed to be victorious. And so I want you to think about it with this. It says this starting in verse 10. Who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her, for she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. She delights in the work of her hands. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. She is like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and takes it as her own. Carrying it with her, she labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance, and her shining light will not be extinguished, no matter how dark the night. She stretches out her hands to help the needy, and she lays hold of the wheels of government. She is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor, for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. She is not afraid of tribulation, for all her household is covered in the dual garments of righteousness and grace. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. Her husband is famous and admired by all, sitting as the judge of his people. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies." Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as a loving instruction pours from her lips. She watches over the ways of her household and meets every need they have. Her sons and daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues, and her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Charm can be misleading, and beauty is vain and so quickly fades, but the virtuous woman lives in the wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. Go ahead and give her the credit that is due, for she has become a radiant woman, and all her loving works and righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. Now, has anyone ever thought of that before as far as the bride of Christ? When it comes to that passage, I, I didn't go through any other translations. I wanted to just do this one, but I, I want to challenge you to go take a look at it and see. Because if you've ever read it before and say, man, this woman is just unbelievable. 
But when you think of it as the bride of Christ, I'm just going to skim through here a couple of things since it wasn't up there. Uh, the price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Uh, her husband has entrusted his heart to her. She delights in the work of her hands, and that could symbolize the fivefold ministry. Uh, it says she gives out revelation knowledge to feed others. All these different things, um, taking a nation as her own and carrying it with her, laying uh, labors there to plant the living vines, all these different things that it says. Um, there's one other one. Her husband is famous and admired by all. So if you want to be a Proverbs 31 wife, you've got to marry a famous guy that's known by everybody. I think it might be talking about the bride of Christ here more than we think when you start looking at all the stuff. It is, oh, I like the one where it's talking about, uh, where's the one about the latter days? Yeah, she laughs with joy over the latter days. I really wish the joy would come back in the church like it should be. I know things are bad and things are dark, but this is the way that we're supposed to be no matter, uh, no matter what happens. It even says in there that she rises in, even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for the hungry ones of her house and for others. The bride of Christ, us as the church, as a body of believers, as sons and daughters of God, we have to start being what we've been called to be. And the only way that's going to happen, in order for us to be the church, to be the bride of Christ we're supposed to be, we have to be properly aligned and resting in the Father. We have to let go of weak-minded ideas and misguided doctrine and hold on to God and to His Word. See, the church and even many of us as individuals, we've been holding on to the wrong things for so long that they've become what we're identified by. I don't know if you've thought about that. Think about the way you know uh, other denominations and the way other denominations know this denomination and the way people know independent churches. Most of them you know by what they believe that's wrong. Oh yeah, those are those people that believe and it's something negative. And sometimes you can talk to somebody from that denomination and they know what they believe is wrong, but they don't do anything about it because that's what they're identified by. And it, it just doesn't make any sense. We need to remember that it starts with identity in the kingdom. Be, have, and do. Be who God's called you to be. See, sometimes we just assume a false identity because of the things that, that we hold on to. Instead of just changing it and saying, you know what, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Maybe I need to let what Holy Spirit's revealing to me, I should do something about it. But instead, we're probably all guilty of this, making crazy statements that other people have made about us or that our past has made about, it, about us. And we say, well, I can't help it. I just have a quick temper. We'll say, well, I've always had bad luck. Nothing goes my way. If it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Uh, I can't go around. If, I, if there's a bug going around, I'm going to catch it. I always get sick. I have a weak immune system. I know some people actually do have one, but there's a lot of people who just say it over and over. Or uh, this one, I came into this world poor. I'm just going to leave this world poor. There's no need in me trying to do anything about it. My mom always said I was trouble. My dad always said I was dumb and worthless or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever you want. Why would anyone want to hold on to those identities? But probably some of you in here do. If not, we at least all know somebody who makes statements like that and who holds on to that, those types of identities. Why would we hold on to what other people have said about us when it's that way? And a good example of this is Jacob. When Jacob was born... The Bible says that he came out holding on to the heel of his twin brother Esau. And so they named him Jacob, which means 
heel grabber or supplanter, which means it's someone that can trip you up or trick you. And if you go read the story of his life, uh, for a good part of his life, he held on to that identity, the way he was labeled. And the, the one he received, just from holding on to his brother, it just stuck with him. He was a trickster. He would, would trick people and trip them up. And there's some of us that we've been holding on to the wrong things for so long that we identify by them as well. We think that it's just how we are. It's just how things are for me, but we don't ever realize it's because you're holding on to the wrong things. And because we're holding on to the wrong things, we're out of alignment. You're not going to be able to be in proper alignment if you're holding on to the wrong things. And not only are we out of alignment, but we're too tired to try to do anything about it because we're not resting in God. We're not having the time with Him that we need. And so we just say, well, that's just how I am. It's how I'm always going to be. But it's not true. It's just another lie from the enemy. We just need to do what Jacob did. You see, he turned loose of his brother and he grabbed a hold of the Lord. And when he was, uh, he had this encounter wrestling with the angel of the Lord or wrestling with God, he said, I will not let go unless you bless me. Now at this point... Uh, his hip has already been displaced. He's already defeated. So it sounds like he's making this bold statement that, you know, I'm grabbing a hold of you, but really this is a statement of surrender. It was when he actually was ready to, when he grabbed a hold and said he wouldn't let go, was really the place where he surrendered to God and was like, okay, it can be your way. I've been doing it my way, been holding on to all the wrong things all these years, and now even though he was holding on, he was actually letting go. He was no longer going to be Jacob, holding on to the heel of his brother because God was getting ready to change his name. Now he would be Israel. And some of the meanings of that name are prince with God, triumphant with God, and God perseveres. That's something a lot better to, to hold on to than someone just being someone who trips you up. See, if you're struggling or you struggle with this for a long time, let go of those things that are trying to identify you and hold on to God where your true identity comes. So he's where we're supposed to get our identity from anyways. And don't try to use the excuse that, well, I'm just too old. I've been this way for too long. It's too late for me. It is what it is because that's just another lie of the enemy too. We need to stop repeating it. See, Jacob was in his 90s when he had this encounter. If you look it up, which means Google it, you'll see that a lot of them say he was almost 100. Several say they, they I think the main age they'll say is around 97 but somewhere in his 90s when this happened. See, it's never too late to come into a place of proper alignment or to start resting in God. We all need it. We all need to be properly aligned to do. He's called you to do amazing things. It doesn't matter if it's something big or something small. And see, so we need to get to the place where uh, sometimes we're so busy trying to fix everything that have you ever spent most of your prayer time asking God to bless all the stuff you're doing? Because you're just so busy. And when you get done, when you get finished praying, you know, everybody says you're supposed to pray, you know, you pray to you pray through, you pray to you feel peace, you pray to pray you feel comfort. Have you ever just prayed and then you just felt tired? <laughs> I'm just being honest. You get to that place, you didn't rest in God. It's not proper, proper alignment. So you get to that place, and, and, and what if you were in such a place of rest, instead of always having to pray and ask God to bless something you're wanting to do, you felt the calling to go do something He was already blessing. Wouldn't that be a lot easier if He's already blessing it, and you just get to go do it? 
Because He calls you to it. See, if you spend all your time never getting rest and never getting properly aligned with God and your whole time is just asking God to bless all this stuff that you're keeping busy with, you're going to find yourself in that place of looking for the presence of His promises. Because you're going to need them. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, I need you to show up in this area. I need this. I need that. Instead of just being looking for the promise of His presence where you just say, God, I just need you. So when we get to that place and things become properly aligned, that's when we really get to rest in God. And it would be amazing how much more we'll actually get accomplished. Instead of just constantly going and going and finding our identity from failure after failure of everything that we tried in the past and didn't work. Sometimes if you find your rest in God and you get properly aligned, you can do the exact same thing that failed a few years ago and it will be an overwhelming success. But many times we just don't ever get to that place of rest because we're always constantly trying to prove ourselves because we're following the world system that says we got to do something so we can have something so we can be somebody. Every person in here, you already are somebody. You're a child of God. What better title could you want? It's the greatest title that we could ever be given to be part of the family of God, to be part of the kingdom of God. And because you're part of the family of God and part of the kingdom of God, He's already blessed you with all spiritual blessings. And He's told you that you can do all things through Christ. Nothing is impossible. I guess that's the thing for today with everything they've been saying. Nothing is impossible. And He wants to do these things. And He wants you to rest in Him. And He wants to rest in you. If you'll stand with me this morning. Jesus is so good. Ouch. Um, so this morning during worship, um, when we were singing the second song and proclaiming, you are good, you are good, and saying that he's never going to let us down, you're never going to let us down. It was like I was seeing, um, you know, how the kids' toys, how one, when it connects to the other, like those... Um, I don't know, like, are they Legos? I don't know. Well, they were kind of like Legos. <laughs> and it was like, it was like we were trading the wrong belief system and that connection was disconnecting and connecting to the truth that He is good, that He's never going to let us down. And I really feel like that was a theme this morning and I feel like the Father is so good that He's teaching us the right way to think. He's allowing us to trade those lies of the enemy that we've been believing all this time for the truth that He is good, that He's never going to let us down. And I mean, and then when Aaron was talking about how Jacob was holding onto his brother's foot coming out, and then he held onto the angel, those moments of holding on, he traded that connection of that wrong belief system of who they proclaimed him to be to who God made him to be, and everything changed. So I declare over us this morning that prophetically that's happening for us, that we're trading those lies that we've been believing all this time for the truth of who God declares us to be as sons and daughters. Amen. Do you receive that truth? I receive it for myself. So we just want to pray blessing over you for this week. Lord, I pray that you bless your children, your sons and your daughters. 
Lord, I know that your heart is just overflowing with love for them and just a pure desire for them to see themselves as you see them, as pure and clean sons and daughters. Lord, I ask you to just let that truth prevail over them this week, Lord. Let the lies of the enemy just fall off as nothing, just roll off their backs just because they're so secure in knowing who they are in you. Lord, I ask you to please bless every family that's represented here, every family who couldn't be here, Father. Just in every single way, every facet of their life, let them overflow with blessings. And we thank you for it, and we just love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.